0: There's a lost video out there that my sisters have Uh of me doing like my first attempt at drag makeup, which is very bad. Oh my God. Because I kept, because I kept over drying my eyeshadow (laughs) and was like, I got to go bigger. I got to go bigger. (laughs) I look just sunken. Oh my God. (laughs) Just like giant black holes in your face. Yeah. And my lips are real overdrawn, and my eyebrow- I have no forehead, because I have a little baby forehead, and I put my eyebrows up here. (laughs) You just shrink it by another two inches. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi! It's called, uh, That Broad's Got Moxie. Whoop, whoop! Um, I'm Kiana. That's Kiana. I'm Cassie. And with us in our little, tiny- podcasting spare room mm. <laughs> is Danny who is our sound engineer and editor. Ooh. Engineer. So, <laughs> engin- I know, right? It sounds real fancy. Yeah. I said sound person. <laughs> <laughs> sound lady. Um so let's introduce the podcast. The yeah. point of this podcast is we're obviously going to talk about women. Moxie ladies, moxie ladies, broads. Broads that got moxie. Broads that got moxie. And we're going to talk about them being good, being bad. We're Sometimes talk about fictional women. Some great characters that aren't real people, but are amazing and have a have a lot of you know. I plan chutzpah. To... <laughs> <laughs> chutzpah is the thing that we love. I plan to talk about a ghost at some point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Kiana, yeah, 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 do you want to go ahead and let's let's roll into it. Roll into it. What? Rolling. Rolling. <laughs> And go. Kiana. Yes. Do you uh, want to go first? Oh, yeah. So the the premise of this is we don't know who the other person is doing that day. So I have no idea. I've wanted to tell you about mine for, well, three weeks since I chose her. But I'm very anxious <clears throat> here. All about yeah. that broad, that's got moxie. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's, it's, it's been hard for us to keep it oh, secret gosh, from each other because we work together. Yeah, we see each other so. literally every afternoon, and I'm like, "Hey, um, <laughs> don't ask me what I was doing today. I can't. <laughs> you I'm can't know no. anything." So yeah, okay. Enlighten so I'm us. Gonna, tell us. Gonna tell roll us? into this. First, I'm gonna say some of my sources. Most of it comes from a C-SPAN video on YouTube mm-hmm. of Stacey Cordery who wrote a book called Alice. Alice Roosevelt Longsworth from White House Princess to Washington Power Broker. Oh. And then Wikipedia, Obvi. and then the Theodore Roosevelt Center also. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, that's who I'm doing. Okay. Alice Roosevelt Longworth. And if I say Longsworth, I apologize, that's not her name. <laughs> just, I just just one long, not multiple longs. It's, yeah, not multiple longs, but I just... Love s's apparently. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Have you heard of her? I have never heard of her. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm excited. I am too. So she is credited with the phrase, "If you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me." Perfect. Lovely. Like, this is her. Like <laughs> Moxie, already all the way to the top. <laughs> Boom. She. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um. Okay. So, she was born February 12th, 1884, in New York, to Alice Hathaway Lee mm-hmm. and Theodore Roosevelt. Good old Teddy boy. Oh, shit. Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Okay. Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, huh, I wonder if there's relations there. She is... Perfect. His daughter. His daughter. Okay. Okay. She had a rough childhood, to mm-hmm. say the least. Two days after she was born, Teddy was in, like... Government doing things. Yeah. He was a senator at this time. Okay. Was called home because his mother was dying. This was two oh. days after she was born. Okay. So her grandmother dies. Her grandmother dies. Okay. Grandmother dies. Same day, hours later, her mom dies. Oh. From Bright's disease. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and complications with <clears throat> the birth. Um, and this destroyed her father. And in his, there's yeah. a very famously a diary entry mm-hmm. of this day. And it's just a big X, and the only entry is, the light has gone out of my life. <gasps> oh, God. Um, yeah. And he forbade anybody in the house from saying Alice, the name of his wife, but it's a bad move because your daughter's name your is da- Alice. Oh. This is, oh, no. This is where the trouble happens because Teddy doesn't know how to confront sadness. He, yeah. So he oh. first is like nobody says Alice mm-hmm. this baby baby lee also oh. i'm moving he just left <laughs> he was like can't deal bye can't deal his sister who he was like you're a spinster obviously you have nothing better in your life cuz you need a man right <laughs> that's what he <laughs> believed it was like here here's this baby don't call her alice baby lee oh. so for her for the first few years of her life she had a part-time father who would come like once a month. huh If that from the Dakotas where he was uh, carrying a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> something something He's of a sort, whatever he was known softly to carry a big stick yeah. like you do. Carrying a big stick but not his baby, which is just <laughs> tragic. What if I'm not a huge fan of U.S. presidents I don't think any of them has made any good decisions. Sure, sure. But Teddy really fucked up. Right. Like, <clears throat> he is not getting a father of the year mug. No. Mm-hmm. No. And so she was raised by Teddy's sister, Baymy. Okay. And I don't think... I don't know if that's her real name. But that's what Alice called her. Okay. She called her Auntie Bai or Baymy. Auntie Bai. Um... Oh, yeah. Okay. And here's... I'm just going to read this note. Okay. (laughs) Because Teddy is a selfish prick, he (laughs) never spoke to his daughter about her mother and tore pages in his journals mentioning her and burned all the love letters they shared. So he, like, destroyed her presence in Alice's life. Everything. Her memory, their past. Exactly. Oof. He needs to talk to somebody about that. But Bayme... You would talk to Alice and be like, yeah, your mom was pretty cool. Okay. She just died. Um, <laughs> so when Teddy decided he wanted to Teddy didn't even decide to be a full-time father. Teddy was like, I'm gonna move back to New York and get back into the game of things. Uh-huh. He gets immediately remarried to Edith, but then was like you know what, baby, sister spinster, uh-huh. whoa. <laughs> sister <laughs> um, you spinster. get to keep the baby because I don't want it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and Edith's quote said, she is your daughter, and now she will be our daughter. <laughs> Shit, yeah, she did. She was and like, no, no. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, this baby Lee is going to be a sister to the kids that we have, mm-hmm. which they ended up having five, with Alice being the only half-sibling of the bunch, and she wrote a memoir, Alice did, later oh, in life, okay. because of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have to make money here's my story. Right? Because she was cool, so, like, people wanted to hear it. (laughs) Let me tell you all about it, guys. Um, but she would talk about how she, like, kind of resented her dad. Mm -hmm. She, you'll learn, she loved him and was, like, his sort of right-hand man in terms of, like, political, um, let's sit in silence. (laughs) Okay. We're we're thinking consulting, hold. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> political consulting. Sure, sure, okay. Um, yeah, but she loved him, but was like, mm, "You abandoned me. You wanted to give me away, and then when you came back, you didn't even want to have a relationship with me. Mm. And now you're splitting your time with me between five other kids, right? Your new family, and she's not even like fourteen at this time, mm-hmm. so that's just. Okay, side note. I have a good place like theme on my Google Docs and my yeah, like, yeah. Google and stuff. <laughs> but because of it, because it's the good place, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to cuss. Are you serious? <laughs> so if it if it's a written a written word, so I have like she no longer gave a fuck, uh-huh. but it's corrected to she no longer gave a fork. Oh my god. <laughs> Hysterical. I love that Google is like, no, no, we're really enforcing these I, on you. It's, it, and it's a little ridiculous. You're not, apparently, this just in, you're not allowed to say dick in the good place. Cause I wrote, oh. I put Dick Nixon instead of Richard Nixon and it corrected to dink Nixon, <laughs> which is still <laughs> fitting, but it's, it's so good. Hey, dink Nixon. Oh, you're a okay. real dink head. <laughs> Okay, hey, but let's go back. <sighs> okay. So, because of her resentment and, like, she didn't get attention, so she was like, I don't give a fuck. Everything I do from here on out mm-hmm. is about me and my fun. Yes. So, at age 14, she was starting to give Edith and Teddy a little hard time, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know what? Let's let's talk about sending you to a women's boarding school. In, Naturally. In letters, this is recorded, she said... If you send me, I will humiliate you. I will do. Oh, I will do something that will shame you. I tell you, I will. And they didn't send her because <laughs> they knew Alice, and they were like, "Yo, she means it. She is <laughs> she, not joking. She's gonna do something scandalous." Oh gosh, but I this. Love it. I okay, and I love her. Her political standings are a little not mine because she's a hardcore Republican. Mm. Because um, her father, Teddy Roosevelt, you Naturally. know, all the annexing and stuff, that was real bad. Sure, sure. But, like, in character for the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> How very apt though. Um, but, like, at this point, she was just like, I don't care, whatever. So, fast forward three years. She's 17 now. Mm-hmm. McKinley was just assassinated. Roosevelt, now the Didn't president. Know that. <laughs> isn't that, okay, but isn't that wild that we. There have been four presidents assassinated. Yeah, and it's like Kennedy, Lincoln, and the other two. <laughs> the other two, that's but what it, I was it's thinking. it's Garfield and McKinley. Oh, uh-huh. did you have to Google that, or do you just know that? I n- knew Garfield. Okay. I forgot McKinley. Okay. Okay. What was I saying? Oh, fast forward three years. McKinley was assassinated. Yeah. Teddy's now president. Okay, they live in the White House. And people love her because she becomes just a celebrity, and she's the first first daughter to be introduced as such. Oh, okay, like she wasn't obviously the first child, but they were like, "We love her. We're gonna copy her." And Roosevelt hated that because this is pre women's right to vote. Any mm. women, mm. and so women having like ideas is real like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to have what? those. You're just supposed <laughs> to make babies. Um, but Alice was super smart, and also just a rule breaker, super vocal about all of her opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, love that. And was known for her wit and bad girl behavior, but really she just wanted to have some fun. And so here are some stories. Here are just some fun anecdotes. So, she drove a car, which is like scandal. Scandal. Drove a car with boys. Oh, and would sometimes ride in cars with boys. Oh dear! I know. Um, She loved to gamble. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Also not allowed. And she would play poker with boys. (laughs) Scandal. Scandal. And um, apparently, there's a story of her. She was she placed bets on horses, Mm -hmm. and somebody took pictures of her. And Teddy was like, "No, (laughs) we're not gonna have my daughter (laughs) seen placing bets. She's a nice young lady." And like now, those photos are like hidden, oh, and not allowed. Oh gosh, um, this is one of my favorite things about her. In her purse, she carried four things at all times. Okay, I can't wait. Cigarettes, which is another. There's going to be a follow up anecdote about her cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> a pagan fertility icon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tickles me. And she, she was really into like. Pagan stuff, and would also have like voodoo dolls to piss off Edith. Edith, her oh gosh. stepmother, mm. because Edith was like a mad Christian, and just Naturally. to just to piss her off, she'd be like, "Look at this fertility icon, Ooh. <laughs> Dad. I'm gonna get pregnant with all these boys." Um, A copy of the U.S. Constitution was also in her purse. Yeah, which is like, you're smart girl. Right. You ready for this? It's her pet snake, Emily Spinach. <laughs> Emily, wait, hold on. Emily
1: yeah. spinach.
0: Yes. Like the vegetable spinach. Yes. Okay. So the, the snake was green, mm-hmm. spinach, and the snake was skinny, which reminded her of her either cousin or aunt, who Emily. was also skinny. Okay. And she was like, perfect. The snake is Emily perfect. spinach. Get in my purse. Don't call PETA. And... <laughs> <laughs> so these are the things she always carried in her purse. Yeah. Like she was like, go into the racetrack to place some bats on horses. Yeah. Come on, Emily, hop in. Yeah, I assume. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, when she would get bored, mm-hmm. she would just pull a snake out. <laughs> She's just like, "Here's a snake."
1: That's uh, the time you
0: whip out and polite company. Yeah. Well, and this is not about abroad with Moxie, but her brother. Mm-hmm. went because there was five kids running around, and they the Roosevelts had a ton of animals. Yeah, they had a menagerie. Yeah. But her brother once collected four snakes, walked into a, a very important meeting that <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt was having, and just dropped the snakes on the table. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and so, like, senators and congressmen were like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 and so they had to, like, stop the meeting. Oh, my God. Gather the snakes. And These then it Roosevelt was... children sound like a hoot. Oh, a hoot, but also, like. A pain in the ass. A huge pain in the like, Sorry, Teddy. Like, thank God my children, not that I'm ever going to have them, but thank <laughs> God I don't have ones who are just walking into a room dropping snakes. Which that's would be Because bad. I would be very upset. <laughs> if, if, if I had a child and they walked in and went, here's a snake, I'd be like, okay, where's the priest? It's time for an exorcism. <laughs> right? why, why in your goddamn mind <laughs> are you going outside picking up snakes? You're a monster. You're a heathen. You ruined my body. And now you're ruining my life. Now you're just dropping snakes left, right, center. Get out! Um, Less scary than her snake. When she was bored at White House dinners, she would keep those little bottles of alcohol in her long white gloves. Love it. And just be like, here you go. And just hand them out at the table. Okay, now to her cigarettes. Okay. She was... According to Stacy Cordery, she was the first American woman to smoke in public. Mm. Yes, pissed off her dad, mm-hmm. and her dad was and her dad was like, "You're living in my house under my roof. You're not gonna smoke cigarettes." And mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, really, part time daddy?" <laughs> and climbed to the roof of the White House and would smoke her cigarettes, technically on top of her father's roof, <laughs> so she wouldn't be under it. <laughs> under it. Ah, oh, God. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, God, if only I had that much chutzpah as a teenager, I wouldn't be alive. I don't. Think. I don't. My dad would be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just disowning you. You're yeah, too much to handle. That's the same. Um, to find out what she'd been doing the night before, Teddy Roosevelt would just have to look at a magazine, and be like, "Okay, this is what she got up to. She was with boys again. Oh, oh she was driving a car that just. Oh, man. He never called her a disgrace, but. You know, I don't know why I said I that. call Danny a disgrace sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just for funsies. Why? It's just fun. <laughs> I don't remember how it started when she said something and I went, You're a disgrace <laughs> And then and now it's just a thing that occasionally just... pops out. It's hysterical when it happens. <laughs> it's fine with it. Is she are you? Yeah, okay, we got a nod of approval. Yes, we got a nod yes, of app- approval. Everything's fine, guys. Um, okay, so Teddy also once said, I can either run the country or I can attend to Alice, but I cannot possibly do both. <laughs> Which is a fun thing, but also, you've never attended to Alice. <laughs> let's <laughs> go back say, to the- truth, but uh, he's always been an absentee father, yeah. so. let's Let's not forget your little- romp and the, 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 the Dakotas. The Dakotas, my homeland. So, while her dad was like, listen, I can't handle her. She's mm-hmm. doing what she wants and, like, fine. He saw the political value in her and was like, okay, she's popular. People had started referring to her as um, Princess Alice. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay. So she became a Goodwill Ambassador Okay, and was um, sent to four Asian countries in Hawaii okay. with William Howard Taft, who was not yet president. Okay. Because Roosevelt was president. Yeah. But he was... But he was later. He was later. He he was the secretary of war at this time. I guess Mm -hmm. I could have just said that. Sorry. You know. Um, (laughs) 23 congressmen, 7 senators, diplomats, officials, and businessmen. And it's referred to as the Imperial Cruise. And then I started, like, okay, let me me study and go into the Imperial Cruise. And there's a book called the Imperial Cruise. Mm -hmm. And people don't agree on it. About, like, what the purpose was. Oh, okay. Because it's... One guy boldly took the stance and was like, this cruise ruined our um, relationship with Japan. Ooh. And this is what led to all of our issues okay. with the Pacific and Asia. And, uh-huh. and other people are like, that's just not true. Uh-huh. You're wrong. But mm. she was a part of that. So, you know, go forth. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just needed to add that <laughs> um, on this cruise. So she was with the twenty-three congressmen, one of which is her future husband, Ooh. Mr. Nicholas Longworth. This oh, is long- her. Oh, Longworth, not long- long- Longs. Just not not one long-, long, long, yeah, one Longworth. Yep, not multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like knew each other because they ran in the same circles mm-hmm. of like socialites and stuff. But they really solidified their relationship on this cruise. And Obviously. on a dare, this is, this is like the moment Uh-oh. I imagine like sparks fly. Okay. Um, somebody was like, Hey, Alice, jump into that pool. And she's like, already done. <laughs> jumped in fully clothed. <laughs> she's in the pool on the ship and was like, Mr. Longworth, oh come God. here. Hey. And so he also jumped in with all of his clothes on oh. and it was like, Ooh. And, and then sparks flew. And sparks music flew. Played. Yeah and they got and when they got back from the trip they were engaged. Oh, it happened that. How fast. long was this boat trip cuz it must not have been that long. <clears throat> you know, I wish you didn't ask. <laughs> we're going to google it. We'll get back to you. Maybe. Maybe probably Maybe. No. not, but we're going to say we will. You have Google? <laughs> I mean, you have Google. Google how long the Imperial boat ride um, was. Well, they they were engaged and then married in 1906. So it was before 1906. They were married in February. A lot of things for the Roosevelts happened in February. Really? Yeah. Because Where? Roosevelt's annou- engagement announcement was the February 14th. Mm-hmm. And then on February 14th, his wife died um. like four years later. And his mom died and Alice was born. And maybe Boy. She- oh, and now she's married. Um, She wore a blue dress, which was kind of signature. So she's a color named after her. Oh, Alice cool. blue, and it's supposed to be like gray blue, and it's her eye color. Uh-huh. Um, and she cut the wedding cake with a sword. Oh, God just damn it, just I brilliant, love this woman. <laughs> just sabering it in half, just like. huh. Okay, so oh, sword. Sparks flew. Happy marriage. Boom. Only oh, until. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> didn't last long. <laughs> until the 1912 presidential election. Boo. So. Taft and Roosevelt were a part of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. but then, if anybody remembers from U.S. history, Teddy Roosevelt, like, made the Bull Moose Party. Okay, yeah, vaguely, things are kind of yeah swimming around. And so, people were kind of split between Taft and Roosevelt, mm. and it, it split the Republican Party, and obviously Alice was like, yo, go Bulls, I love my dad. Yeah. And Nicholas was mentored by Taft. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm going to go for the one that the party supports Mm -hmm. and not somebody outside the party. I'm going for Taft. Mm -hmm. Um, and they both were publicly like, the my spouse is wrong. Oh, Oh, (laughs) that's a quick, quick slide into bad times. And this is, this was kind of the kicker. That Nicholas never got over. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was a congressman and he was also running for his seat again. Okay. And in his own district, Alice went on stage with her dad's presidential running mate. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about issues, talking about politics. Mm -hmm. And he ended up losing his own district by 105 votes. And Alice, this bitch, (laughs) was like, oh, you lost by 105 votes? I bet a hundred of those were my fault. <laughs> she was like, "She's like, yeah, you lost because of me. I'm clearly the powerhouse in this relationship, Ooh, girl." And so, is... and so it was real salty. He got a seat back later, uh-huh. and and I think died a congressman. But um, that like ruined it. That's a bad. Understandably, blood. yeah. If my spouse, <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just take a second. And think about this. Let's put ourselves in Nick's shoes. Perfect. You'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be like, um, you did what? Yeah, but they never separated. They stayed uh, married their whole life. They just both had affairs. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, you know, case sera. sera. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, and they, Pauline Paulina Longworth was born in 1925, and though her last name is Longworth. Mm-hmm. It was an unhappy marriage, and that is not her father. Oh. There was it was understood that she was um, having a long time affair with Senator William E. Bora of Idaho, mm. and that Paulina was actually his kid. Oh. Um, but because Nick, we'll call him Nick now, Nick yeah. Nick isn't a bad guy like Teddy was. Yeah, raised Paulina oh, <laughs> as good. his own, and like doted on her, and was actually really nice. Yeah, and like he was like, "Look, I know you're not mine, but you're a lovely child, and I want to be part of your life." Yeah, exactly. What a good guy. Yeah, and um, but then he died in 31 while Paulina was still young, and I didn't put this in my notes either. There's so much that Alice did that was just (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) She wanted to name Paulina Deborah, but as in D E B O R. A H, yeah, as in Deborah, the guy she was having an affair with, and was. Oh, a <laughs> real dad. I got gotcha. you. All right, <laughs> same, same team, same team, <laughs> and and everybody's like, "Hey, don't <laughs> don't do that." <laughs> so she did dial back the moxie, sass mouth. <laughs> um, and then Paulina. Lived until she was 32, but Alice outlived her daughter because her daughter died of a sleeping pill overdose. Ugh. And then Alice took in her granddaughter, and they remained close until Alice died. So now I'm going. Has this story been all over the place? How have I been doing? No, I've okay. been pretty solidly like I'm following you, following you. Timeline is happening. Okay. So now I'm just gonna kind of get into her political connections with other people. Okay. Because she's known she's known for having a smart mouth and just doing things that you just don't kind of do in politics Me too so when she, her parents and her family moved out of the White House, Alice buried a voodoo doll of Nellie Taft <laughs> the first the first lady now coming yeah, in yeah buried it in the front yard Naturally. and then just got banned from the White House for that presidency. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, oh, that's really bad. She used to live there. Now she's banned. Um, oh, well, she just has to wait for the next president. But then later was banned by Woodrow Wilson. Damn. Because. <laughs> so she. Her dad died. My notes. What did I do? Okay. So her dad died in um, 1919. Teddy Roosevelt died. Teddy. Okay. Teddy Boyd died. Teddy Boyd died. But. Before he died, he was really against Woodrow... Wood... Woodrow. I hate this guy. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Just because his name. Woodrow Wilson, here President Wilson, yes. um, was trying to assemble the League of Nations at this point, uh-huh. which is pre-UN dealio. Yes. But it never passed because the U.S. Congress didn't sign off on joining the League of Nations. And it was because Teddy Roosevelt was really against it. And then he died. And Alice was like, well, okay, dad, we're not letting them join. And became part of something called the Battalion of Death. Oh, shit. <laughs> where, which was just a group that was like, we will not join a League of Nations. And she had such a key role in this, she was nicknamed the Colonel of Death. Oh, my God. She, she got what she wanted. Even oh, if I don't agree with what geez. she wanted, she was like... Hashtag ruthless. Yeah. And she said a bunch of bad things about President Wilson. Mm Mm-hmm. And also uh, casted spells on him, quote. I love it. And was banned. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, you can't do that. You can't Stop. stop. Goodbye. Now I'm kind of reading through. She just didn't like presidents. And if we... So to the listeners, we've talked about doing a feud episode. Yeah. And so later, I would like to do and Alice Roosevelt, and Eleanor Roosevelt, they're Ooh. cousins. Yeah. They hate each other. Perfect. So, and oh, this is, this is, like, where I get to, like, Alice, man, you can't say that. <laughs> because she was real anti-FDR and uh-huh. said, um, so he ran for, FDR ran for vice president in 1920s. He was defeated, and she was overjoyed and found it, quote, lovely even to watch him get crippled by polio the next (gasps) summer oh my god you can't say that you can't say that (laughs) about your uncle no it's your cousin cousin tomato tomato you can't say that you just you just can't say that about anybody no that is uncouth (laughs) um when fdr then ran for president she said, politically, his branch of the family and ours have always been in different camps. And the same surname is all we have in common. I am a Republican. I'm going to vote for Hoover. If I were not a Republican, I would still vote for Mr. Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> she often called him uh, one-thirds Mush and two-thirds Eleanor. <laughs> and, I love that. And this is, this is when I'm like, okay, Alice. Stop. Because she said she'd rather vote for Hitler than vote for Franklin for a third term. Which is, like, a bad thing to say. But then also, Hitler was alive and, like, doing his thing at this yeah. time. And she was like, yeah, no. Holocaust sounds better than FDR. Just cause she oh, hated no. him. <laughs> she hated them. Oof. Oof. <sighs> yeah. Um... Also, another reason why I'm, my love for her kind of weaned, mm-hmm. she was BFFs with old Richard Nixon, Dick Nixon. Mm, Dick Nixon. Dick Nixon. <laughs> Good old Dink. And he, he doesn't, he's quoted as saying, like, I don't think I would have been president if Alice didn't encourage me to. Oh. So, like, we could have avoided all of that. All of that nonsense. If Alice would have just calmed down. Jesus. But they didn't end up being friends after Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> because, but not because of Watergate. It's because Nixon quoted her dad's diary oh. and was like, uh, okay, wait. Only if you've been to the lowest valley can you know how great it, it is to be on the highest mountaintop. But Teddy wrote this after his mom and his wife died, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, a few days later. Right, taking it out of context. <laughs> yeah, and Alice was like, excuse you. You are corrupt, and my dad's whole family died. Oh my gosh! You will not. Um, yeah. And she just didn't like him. And then, let's see, what other presidents did she go through? Oh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Do you know anything about Lyndon B. No. Johnson? He's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> um, he. Was very proud of his large penis allegedly, huh. uh. and like hot Congress hot tub time no. would just whip his dick out and be uh. like, "Look at why I'm president." Oh my god, <laughs> no! I hope I'm right about that. I'm hope. <laughs> Can you imagine that Google search? Did Lyndon B. Johnson have a giant wang? <laughs> <laughs> I do know one of our presidents did, and I'm almost certain it's Lyndon. Gross. I'm gonna call him by his first name. <laughs> Lyndon. I mean, we're talking about his wiener. I'm pretty sure he's old <laughs> Lyndon. Um, but she used to wear like super big, like glam hats. Gorgeous. And yes. Lyndon was like, I can't kiss you on the cheek when you wear hats. And she's like, yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Um and now we're getting to the okay. close of her life. Okay. She just went she had a lot of stuff going on. So she had breast cancer for um she was diagnosed with breast cancer in the 1970s. She lived a long time. She outlived all of her siblings, her child, mm-hmm. and like everybody around her. Oof. And she lived until 96. She died in 1980. Good lord. My parents were alive in 1980. Yeah, I was... Oh, not 1980. <laughs> I was like, I was... No, I wasn't. It's was a lie. She... Yeah. Uh, but she died of emphysema and pneumonia. And all those goddamn cigarettes she kept in her purse. Yeah. I'm sure she outlived her snake. <laughs> I don't know how long snakes live, but I think she outlived him. Oh, thank God. Or her. That's definitely a demon <clears throat> snake if it lasted that long. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, and I'm going to close out my story with a quote from the last sitting president of her lifetime, Carter. Okay. Who she didn't meet because she thought he didn't have any, like, grace or social standing. She's uh-huh. like, I don't give a shit about Carter. Yeah, yeah. So she didn't meet him, but she, he said, She had style, she had grace, and she had a sense of humor that kept generations of political newcomers to Washington wondering which was worse, to be skewered by her wit or to be ignored by her. And I think that just sums her up Oh uh, well, nice. That's great. She's wild. She is wild and a half. She's I had no idea. Yeah. I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Perfect. What a great story. I think my favorite part is, like, all voodoo dolls. <laughs> yeah. Constantly. It's like, <laughs> it's like, hmm. Oh, I know. I'll bury <laughs> a voodoo doll in the front yard. What <laughs> will we'll piss off a Christian president right? the most? Exactly. Yeah, some some voodoo. Yeah, she ended up for, near the end of her life. Sorry, I'm adding on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she started leaning more Democrat oh. because of the Kennedys, not because of John Kennedy, because uh-huh. she supported Nixon. Uh huh. But um, Bobby Kennedy, uh-huh. she was like, I didn't know Democrats had such style. <laughs> <laughs> I will wear a smaller hat when he's around, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Although she's getting up there at this point, she's an I don't know math. Anyways, yeah. that's math it. Yeah, story. <laughs> I love her. Oh my gosh. You know what we need to do? We need to make like not a vision board per se, but like a board that when we, we can cut out like pictures of all the ladies that we do and stick them up, yeah, just all over the place, so that it just becomes a mural. Eventually, of- it'll become this giant mural of just amazing women. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you want to see a picture of her? I do. Sorry. You can't see this over the podcast, but she was very pretty. However, we will put it on our Instagram (laughs) because we're going to start that. Oh, she's lovely. Yeah. That was so good. Yay! You did such a good job. Thank you. I feel like I got a little off track there, but, you know, we'll hone the skills. We will hone. This is going to be wild. Let me just pull this up right quick. Okay. I did Julia Childs. Oh. (laughs) I've been wanting to tell you about her for weeks. I knew she was going to be somebody. I know. I didn't know I'd get her so quickly. (laughs) Also, I'm not good at, like, keeping things on the DL. So, guys, let me just be real clear about this. I decided to do Julia Child and then proceeded to listen to this wonderful, beautiful book. I'll tell you the name of it. It is called... The Remarkable Life of Julia Child. It's written by Bob Spitz. It is 1,008 pages long. (laughs) So I listened to this book over the course of, like, a week and a half. And then I am now listening to The French Chef in America, Julia Child's Second Act by Alex Prudhomme, which is her grandnephew. Anyway... I'm excited because I don't know anything about her. Nothing. She cooks, and she's got a silly voice. A high-pitched warble is <laughs> what it was called. But yeah, like, my love started kind of when I saw Julie and Julia mm-hmm. with Amy Adams and Meryl Streep. And and I was just like, ah, oh, she's perfect. I have to start with her. Jumping right in. So Julia Child was born Julia Carolyn McWilliams. Uh, she's named after her mother. She's born August 15th, 1912. So 1912 is the same year that the Titanic sank. The Titanic sank the on tita- my birthday. It did it really? April 15th. Oh, shit. It hit the iceberg the 14th and then went down the 15th. Oh. You know what else happened? What? Abraham Lincoln died. Oh, my God. <laughs> April, <laughs> April 15th. If you just look up days in history, what happened April 15th? Wow. The worst thing. The worst thing. The things. worst thing. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Okay, but also, Julia Child was born in 1912. So oh, okay. a good, but not year. April 15th. She was a good year. It was, but also bad things happened. Um, so she's a Leo, and you'll get it Okay. later on. <laughs> so she's born in Pasadena, California. It's sunny. It's gorgeous. Um, so her parents, John, Big John is what he was called. <laughs> He's a um a wealthy Princeton graduate. Uh, he was a land manager. Just in general, had a shitload of money. And he was from the Chicago area. Came over with, you know, the uh, gold gold miners. Thank you. okay. And then her mother, Julia, um, who they called Caro, was um, an East Coast paper company heiress. Why did they call her? Because her her (laughs) middle name is Carolyn. Okay. And so she went by Caro. Okay. Like... The corn syrup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So, she's the oldest of three children. Um, and often, <laughs> Caro would say, like, I birthed, like, 18 feet of children. Because what? all of her kids were, like, six feet and taller. I thought she just had a bunch of real little kids. <laughs> 18 one-foot babies. <laughs> just... That's a weird way to say you had a lot of kids. It's a very straight look, but I didn't say it, she did. Oh, Carol. Oh, Carol. So she had two younger siblings, John Jr. and Dorothy, who they called Dort, which is great. I love Dort. (laughs) So she grew up in this real cute upper middle class home. She had a family cook. They just made mm. typical American fare. Like, it wasn't anything special. It's just something that you eat to stay alive. However, her grandma McWilliams was a very good cook, and she made good donuts. So anyway, um, she attended a really wonderful boarding school. She spent time at summer camp, uh, where she was a pancake-eating champion. <laughs> and I was like, this is a woman after my own heart, because you know who else can eat a shitload of pancakes? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> So many pancakes. Her family loved carbs. Love who doesn't? <laughs> Come on. That's fair. True story. Um, okay, so Julie attended Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts, which is a it's a women's liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. She didn't really know what she wanted to do while she was there, and so she's filling out her application form, and apparently there was a part where you could write your vocational choice. And she wrote, no occupation decided, marriage preferable. (laughs) Which I thought was great. She was like, you know, I don't really care what I'm doing. I'm really, I'm really just kind of looking, you know, looking at, looking at dudes. Yeah. My mom's an heiress. I'm not going to do Exactly. Exactly. People, why do you go to college? Well, because that's what you're supposed to do. You meet a husband. Yeah. Whatever. You and get, just like, what's that nah. saying? The, you get a BA in MRS? You get an MRS? It's... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's shaking her head and giggling. <laughs> BA in MRS. Indeed. Yes. So eventually, she graduated from college uh, uh, with uh, a degree in history. Because mm-hmm. she was like, well, this is interesting. I'm not going to use it for anything, so <laughs> might as well. So that is it. After graduating, she didn't really know what to do with herself. So um, she moved to New York City, where she found work as a copywriter um, for the advertising department of J.W. Sloan and did that for a while. And then she was like, well, this is kind of boring. I don't really know what to do. She so does not even want to work. <laughs> no, she was. She never had intentions of having like a career. So, she went back to California, was doing the whole yacht club and the Uh golf, you know, golfing and doing all the things with all the people, you know. Rich people stuff. Rich people stuff that Pasadenans do. I was going to say, because I ain't never been to a (laughs) yacht club. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever seen a yacht. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, she went back to California trying to figure out what to do. Her mom got sick and eventually passed away. And then she was, that's right around the time when World War II was starting. She moved back to the East Coast to go to work in Washington, D.C. Julie wanted to do her part for the war effort in whatever she was doing in Washington. So (laughs) she tried to join the Women's Army Corps and the uh, WAVES, which is the women's branch of the Navy Reserves. But they were like, you're too tall. (laughs) <laughs> she, she, she was 6'2 She wrote 6 feet On her application And oh. <laughs> they were like Well you're too tall at 6 feet She was like well shit then I'm definitely too tall at 6'2 <laughs> Why would you go down When you say your height the, I, th- I think I have a complex the- So I always go up <laughs> I don't know I don't understand I don't know but I mean, she towered over everyone mm-hmm. Her entire life so anyway, so too tall. Then she joined the Office of Strategic Services, and she worked as a typist for a little while. And then they were like, well, you're too smart for this. You have too Ooh, much education. You're just too much woman for everything. She, she wanted was to do. so much woman. They were like, <laughs> look, you're too tall. You're too smart. We don't know what to it's do with you. Too much. Yeah. Then she moved into a very important position of a top secret researcher. So, too tall, too smart, you can't be in the Navy, you can't be a typist, so we're gonna have you keeping track of all these people all over the world and what they're doing. So, she was, like, a super secret spy. Damn. Damn, right? (laughs) Nobody knows this about Julia Child. Like, I bare, I knew, like, a tip, like, the tip of the point. Yeah. And then, after, like, listening to this, to the book and doing some more research, I was, like, That is bananas. So she's, right? So she's like decoding things and like sending secret messages and keeping tabs on all these people all over the world. It's crazy. And I didn't write it down. I should have. I don't know why I didn't. But she also spent time working with this group of people who were trying to come up with shark repellent. Because what would happen is the sharks would like disturb um, the things in the water that explode. Mines. M- yeah, like mines. Okay, I did not know if they're so d- different they- underwater. <laughs> so these sharks would like bump into them and then explode. <gasps> oh, oh my god! It's just terrible. it's so funny. It's so terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But, they, but then, they'd be the Germans in their East submarines would be like, "Hey guys, I, another shark exploded up oh there. My God. Don't go over there." How <laughs> many sharks did we lose in World I, War II? Look, I don't know. <laughs> did we did we kill like most of the sharks? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think a lot of them are okay. World War included sharks, shark <laughs> <were> shark fatalities. <laughs> countless, countless sharks perished in, in, in the war effort. But it's so <laughs> upsetting. However, however, Julia Child helped them create a shark <laughs> repellent to put in the water. So the sharks would be like, no, no, I'm not going over there. Um, so that the they wouldn't blood? blow up. I think eventually they used, like they figured out. Magnets. Magnets and you know, like waves and shit, and how to keep them away that way. But <laughs> before then, they were just bumping into them, and kaboom! Oh my God. <laughs> It's just the worst. Anyway, she got an award for it. Don't remember what it's called. Didn't write it down, but she did. Oh, bless her. Bless. <clears throat> so, she worked in Washington, D.C. for about a year. And then she was reassigned to work in Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka. Uh, So while she was in Ceylon, she was called the Keeper of the Secrets, except I wrote Keeper with only one E, so it says Kepper. (laughs) She was the Kepper of the Secrets. Julia Child, the old Kepper. (laughs) Danny pointed that out earlier. She was reading through it and she was like, you spelled Keeper wrong. (laughs) You should have doubled down. <laughs> she was she was a kepper. She was the kepper of the <laughs> secrets. Uh, so she knew who the secret intelligence were, their code names, and where and what their missions were. She's doing this high, you know, highly classified, real secret, secret agent stuff in Ceylon, and Ceylon is where she met Paul, who later she would marry, and be with. For 50 years. Damn. That's anyway, a long time. It's a very long time. And it was, ugh, it's just the most beautiful love story. Anyway, so Paul. <laughs> not like Alice. Was <laughs> not <laughs> like Alice. She's a terrible woman. <laughs> I got nothing else. Just the worst. Oh, gosh. Okay, so Paul was a ladies' man. hmm um, but he was, he's super charming, he's sensitive, romantic, debonair, but also, like, a difficult personality, <laughs> kind of pretentious, and a little oh. bit of a pessimist. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> But the complete opposite of Julia, and she was like, I don't know how to feel about you, but I'm kind of a little bit, like... Over the moon. Yeah. So I thought it was funny. Their first impressions of each other. Paul's first impression of Julia was, oh my God, look at those legs. Because <laughs> she's all legs. She's so tall. She's 6'2, he's 5'9, and she's oh. got legs for days. A um, bunch of one foot babies. <laughs> <laughs> for legs. Those one foot babies. <laughs> So Julia's first impressions of Paul were he's too old, too bald, too short, and he has an unbecoming blonde mustache. <laughs> and it's just the funniest blonde mustache. And it was a, it was a mustache. It was like a Tom Selleck blonde mustache. Him? Um, Paul, little short bald blonde mustache. <laughs> uh, okay. So She's in Ceylon, and then she gets reassigned and sent to Kunming, China. In order to make it to Kunming, Julia and her fellow, you know, peoples... Spies. Spies. Secret agents. Have to fly in a tiny plane over a very scary mountain range, which is not the Andes. (laughs) (laughs) It is, in fact, the Himalayas. And it was, like... In the, one of the books that I listened to, they were like, you could, you know, look out the window and see wreckages of planes that didn't make it. Oh, my God. So, real scary. <laughs> real scary. They're, like, going through crazy turbulence and just, like, thumping and bumping and jostling all over the place. And Julia is just, like, <laughs> like conked out, <laughs> cannot be bothered to be worried about any of this nonsense. What a so, lady. <laughs> what a lady. What a broad. I can't. <laughs> so, while in Kunming, Julia reunited with Paul. He was sent there shortly after she was. They began to spend time together. They were pretty much dating. Uh, they went on adventures, ate a whole bunch of really incredible Chinese food, and saw movies. And this is kind of when, obviously, like I said, they were, they were starting to... Fall for each other. Yeah. Like, look, Julia was like, you know, you're 10 years older than me. You have a blonde mustache, (laughs) but I might be able to look past that because you make my heart flutter. And I was like, oh, God, that's so cute. Paul and Julia fell in love, left China, moved back, spent some time together, and they were like, you know what, I actually do like you a lot. So let's get married. And despite the decade age difference, They were married in 1946. That's after the war ended, yeah? That was after the war ended, yeah. But they almost didn't survive the day before their wedding, getting this huge car accident. And wedding day, they were like, you know what? We're just going to do this anyway. So they're both, like, battered and bruised, and Paul's, like, hobbling along (laughs) with with his little cane. And Julia said her vows... With a huge white bandage stuck to her head. <laughs> looked a little Frankenstein-y, but she was like, you know what? I'm alive. I'm here. Let's just do this. So, the couple lived in D.C. for two years before Paul's position in the United States Foreign Service took the two of them to Paris. So, this is 1948. And so began Julia's love affair with French cooking. So, they arrived in Paris on November 3rd, 1948. She gets there and immediately falls in love with the scenery and the people. And one of the very first places they go um, when they get there, mm-hmm. they stop in this little, this little village and go to this restaurant. Um, and her favorite meal and the one that inspired her interest in cooking and learning everything about food... The dish is called sole minier. Which, okay. Mm-hmm. Side note, guys. After, <laughs> after listening to this book and doing all this research, I am currently trying to teach myself how to speak French, whilst also cooking. I asked Danny today if if I could cook a duck, and she was like, "If you're gonna cook a duck, you're gonna eat it by yourself." So maybe no duck, Danny. Sorry. Have you ever had duck? It's really... It's good. It's a good meat. That's what I have heard. Do you like chicken? Okay. She said yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. She doesn't have a mic. I'm telling you, but we're gonna have duck. I used to... In London. When I wasn't... Oh, yeah. Because you lived in London. Yeah. Well, I wasn't a um a vegetarian. Uh-huh. Duck was cheaper to buy than chicken. Oh. At Costco. Which they do have Costco. They have Costco in for yeah. London? That's yeah, the best. Yeah. <laughs> um... But I got real good at like quartering a duck and like Ooh. getting some duck fillet. Girl. And it's like a, it's like chicken, but like more. It's like chi- it's like if chicken were high fashion. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love a bougie chicken. It's, it's a bougie chicken. Yes, <laughs> it was, it was real tasty. Oh, that's good. I'm so excited. I'm gonna make it. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Anyway, sole meunière, and I wrote, I put down what it was. It is sole filet, so if you don't know what sole is, it's a white fish. Oh. Like, um, you know, like a cod or a halibut. Apparently, it's lovely. I've never had sole, but. That. So, it's sole manier that's been dredged in flour and cooked in a brown butter sauce with parsley and lemon. The presentation of it, which you're supposed to serve fish with the head still on. I didn't know that, but apparently you do. I'm fine with it. <laughs> right? i I don't mind seeing the fish's head, but every right. once in a while I, like, blindly, because when I eat fish, I eat with my hands, like, I don't knife and fork. Okay. I once stuck my finger in a fish no! eyeball and almost puked. Oh, my God! Because of the texture alone. So, like, I'm used to seeing fish heads. Dead. I'll, I'd be dead. I don't want it. I don't want sometimes. it. Sometimes. <laughs> But sometimes, for presentation's sake, it's got to be there. Yeah. Okay. So, Solmenier, she loved it. She was like, "Oh my God, this is the most glorious thing I've ever had to eat. I need, I need to learn how to make this because I just want to eat it every day." They're living in Paris. They settled. They settled into. They saddled in. They saddled <laughs> up. Um. <laughs> they settled into their new apartment at eighty-one Rue de Lou, which is the best. Um, Polly, you know, starts work and blah, blah, blah. And Julia is like, well, what the hell am I going to do with myself now? I'm here. I don't have a job. What am I going to do? She comes to this conclusion after trying a couple different things that she wants to learn how to cook all these incredible foods that they have spent all of their money on (laughs) just eating at all these super lovely restaurants all over Paris. So, she enrolled at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris, and she, uh, shortly after that, joined the women's cooking club, Ooh. Le Cercle de Gommet. Ooh. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. I am, guys, I'm learning French. I'm not great at it, but I'm working on that accent. So, while she's at Le Cercle de Gommet. Ooh. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> So she meets Simone Beck and uh, Simone's friend, Louisette Bertol. And they're writing a French cookbook specifically for Americans. And Simone Beck ended up being her writing collaborator for the next two decades. Mm -hmm. So there, the two ladies are two years into writing this massive cookbook. And then Simone is like, hey, do you want to maybe collaborate on this and give us the inside scoop about how Americans cook? She says yes. So she gets this manuscript that they've been working on for two years, and she was like, oh, this is not going (laughs) to (laughs) do. We need to just start over. This is the wrong, like, for your English is terrible. Americans use the imperial system, Mm -hmm. not the metric system. And she was like, oh, this... We're just going to have to start again. So this they did. This won't do. This will not do. So they're working on this, this cookbook, and they also start teaching cooking classes in Julia's kitchen and called themselves... Uh, boy, I'm not even going to try, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> they called themselves a fun something name. Something is L'Ecole des trois gourmands, which is the school of the three food lovers. Oh. Or hearty eaters. I don't remember. <laughs> it's one of those two. Um, so, working on their book, they're teaching these courses, and then Paul gets reassigned. Over the next several years, they moved to Marseille, and then they went to Bonn, Germany, mm-hmm. and then up to Oslo in Norway okay. over the next however many years. Paul eventually retired. And the couple moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's where Harvard is. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Boom. There you go. Though they had moved to a permanent, beautiful house at 21 Irving Street in Cambridge, they also had a vacation home built on Simone's family land in Province. And it's this cute little house called La Pichun, uh, which means the little one. And oh, don't know if you know, but you... It's an Airbnb. You can stay at La Pichun for like $700 a night. Oh, that sounds maybe not worth it. Maybe not, (laughs) but it's... Oh, my God. You could get another trip. (laughs) You You could go to a whole other country. Yeah. But maybe worth it. Nobody knows. But it's just... Oh, my God. I looked at the pictures on Airbnb, and it's just the cutest thing. And I was like... oh. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I lost it a little bit. Um, Start saving up. We can't because next place we're going is Spain and Portugal. You think you can save up seven hundred dollars a night? In I mean, no. Two years, but maybe. I don't know. Look, we're moving on. <laughs> we will talk about that later. Um. So I'm just gonna like boop, like slide this in real quick. Mm. Julia had a pen pal named Avis Devoto. Long story short, Avis's husband Bernard. Wrote magazine articles. Julia read one of these articles. Was like, "Oh my gosh, I completely agree with you. Knives are crap." So <laughs> she sent two knives in the mail with this letter, which could be construed as a little yeah. menacing. <laughs> if, that, if that were to happen nowadays, definitely. Like, hmm. May you know could be could be taken the wrong way. But anyway, so she sends these these beautiful knives from France, and. Avis wrote her back mm-hmm. to thank her for the knives, etc, etc. And then they just back and forth corresponded for years. And that was just kind of this odd thing that happened. and they were best friends for a very long time. And in fact, Avis knew a whole bunch of people in publishing because of her husband mm-hmm. and actually helped Julia and Simone and Louisette find a publisher oh, for their book. How nice. Yes after nine years of working on this cookbook and rewriting and testing recipes and converting measurements and doing this whole crazy thing, they were rejected two times. (laughs) (laughs) I was ready for uplifting. They were rejected two times. Um, The first one was just, like, apathetic and just didn't talk to them. And the second one was, like, This is an encyclopedia. We're looking for a cookbook. But eventually they went to... Third time's a charm. um, (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Mastering the Art of French Cooking was published in 1961. The 726-page book, which I am going to find a copy of, I could buy a new one, but I would really just love to, like... Oh, a used one would be. Love a used one and give it a new, you know, give it new life. Maybe there's some little notes in it. Right? Lots of... In fact, that was part of the book. Like, there were lots of margin space Mm -hmm. on each recipe so that... To encourage people to, like, make notes about what worked and what didn't, etc., It was crazy, huge, bestseller. It's in its, oh gosh, 50-something printing? Like, it's wild. It's crazy. What do you you mean? Like, it's... Oh, like edition? Edition, yes. Thank you. Damn. Um, (laughs) That was real deep. (laughs) I don't know if you heard it. It sounded like there was a fourth person. (laughs) Oh, no. Demons. (laughs) There's ghosts inside of Kiana. So she she called it a healthy little critter when it (laughs) arrived in the mail. It's like, oh, it's got some heft to it. It's bigger than the Boston phone book. Oh, Jesus. It's huge. It's It's a very big book. You could hurt somebody with it. All right. Julia, who had always wanted to be a writer, wrote a number of articles and columns for different magazines and newspapers following the success of Mastering. Shortly thereafter, Julia began her career as a TV personality. She started her cooking show, The French Chef. She was the first educational TV star. Like, there had been a couple of TV cooks, Mm -hmm. but none as exciting or had as good of ratings, etc., as Julia. None with Moxie. None with Moxie. But she brought all the Moxie. And over the next eight years, they put out four seasons of The French Chef. And the very first episode was Bouf bovignon. Boof. <laughs> it was boof. It was not chicken, which she loved dearly. It was boof. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only French word I know. <laughs> it's just boof. 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 I can't even say boof. It sounds like you're, it sounds like a dog. <laughs> it comes, it comes, it comes from, from deep within. Guys, it comes from real deep inside Kiana. Boof. Yeah, got nothing. I can't. So the French chef is what inspired Dan Aykroyd to do a parody on SNL. Uh-huh. So he comes on, he's dressed in this uh-huh. wig and her like ensemble. And he goes, today we're making <laughs> Demi de Saucé. And so he takes his chicken, and it's a blood gag. The whole thing is just a fake blood oh. gag. <laughs> so he, like, he cuts his finger, and he goes, oh, I cut the dickens out of my finger. <laughs> and so, but then it's just, like, pew, like, shooting across the room. And a eventually <laughs> it's over everything on the countertop, and he go he, you know there's this whole thing that he's talking about saving the liver yeah. and you can you can eat it with hot teens <laughs> as a snack <laughs> it's hysterical so so blood everywhere and then like i'm julia child i'm going to go to sleep now and like thunks his face down into the chicken yeah and then right before it cuts like save the liver <laughs> and then like <laughs> And then it's done. And it's hysterical. Julia sees this video and she's like, This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me. Somehow she gets like a VHS tape mm-hmm. of of this. And every time guests like new guests come over she shows it to them <laughs> she's like you guys are gonna love this so shows it to them but then it gets better sometimes when she would be in the kitchen making dinner or getting ready for a party she would she would like reenact it herself and be like the and then like flung herself onto the countertop <laughs> and i can just imagine her doing it and it's just the funniest. Oh my gosh. Okay, reeling it in. Okay, i'm almost done guys, i swear. Um so over the years, Julia starred in like 10 different tv shows. Uh she did Julian Child and Company, Dinner at Julia's, Cooking with Master Chefs, and a whole bunch a whole slew of other shows. And then she wrote at least a dozen books. Mm -hmm. Some of them were, you know, very specific things. Some of them went along with the TV shows that she did. And her last book um, was a memoir and it's called My Life in France. Uh, And that's the movie that, excuse me, that's the book that Julie and Julia was kind of based on. So some little tidbits about her. This all kind of condenses into like the latter part of her life. So Julia's favorite charity was Planned Parenthood. And in the Reagan era, which was all about... Don't fucking talk to me about Ronald Reagan. (laughs) I know what he did. Guys, it is getting real serious up in here. Yes. Immediately. Upset. Upset. So was Julia. So she was like... She had a super pragmatic viewpoint. She was like, it's a woman's body. It's her choice. It's her destiny. Let her do whatever she wants. Mm Mm-hmm. And so after, after being harassed by protesters outside um, a fundraiser that she was doing, she wrote a letter to the column Dear Abby Mm -hmm. and boy, I tell you, it is a hell of a letter. So I'm just going to give you a little blip that I was like, this is, this is what I am trying to argue. At one point, you know, she says all this stuff and then she says, if you insist on their birth, you must also assume responsibility for their lives. And I was like, fuck yeah, Julia. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. No, she's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Duh. Can we all agree on this? Obviously. Unsurprisingly. Reagan, bad. Reagan, bad. Don't get me started on <laughs> Julia Child, good. Reagan, bad. Uh, let's see. Also, in 1981, she founded the American Institute of Wine and Food, mm-hmm. which is in California this is this part really got me. So while she was raised by very conservative Republican parents, Julia was very liberal. she had lots of friends all different all different types of people um, though she was known for being politically incorrect and would often say homophobic things slurs slurs thank you slurs but so it wasn't until um, 96. When her lawyer and a very close friend of hers, Bob Johnson, died of pneumonia after contra- contracting AIDS. Aww. And he was... So they'd known each other for like 16 years. He could have been her son. And so after that, after losing him, she changed her ways. And was like, oh, I need to be a lot more aware of the people around me and what I'm saying and mm-hmm. how how I come across to people. So after that, she did... um. A lot of fundraisers. Um, She did one specifically called Aid and Comfort to help raise awareness and ease the suffering of those affected by AIDS. And I was like, oh, God, this woman is pulling on my heartstrings. In May 1995, she was working with Good Morning America in France doing a live show. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in France and it's seven o'clock in the morning East Coast time here. So there in Burgundy, she starts sampling wine at this vineyard, gets three sheets to the wind, <laughs> and then proceeds to go on Good Morning America, cook an omelet, <laughs> like, totally schnockered. <laughs> and it's the best. She was just like, oh, this, I've, I have done this so many times. I've also had seven glasses of wine, <laughs> equivalently. And then in the book... It talks about, like, they were like, oh, we're going to give her a flag, and the ending, you know, the ending of this shot, we're going to have these two people ride bikes. Mm-hmm. So they gave her this flag to wave, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. And she just sat there and waved the flag, <laughs> just like a crazy person, <laughs> and just losing it. And they were like, pretty sure if we hadn't taken the flag away, she'd still just be waving that flag. <laughs> Let's see. So in 1994, after struggling with health problems and stuff for, like, the last 20 years, Paul died. Um, And shortly thereafter, Julia left Cambridge, um, sold her house. Her kitchen at the Irving Street house went to the Smithsonian. Oh. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she moved to um, Montecito, California, in, like, an assisted living home, where she joined a breakfast club. Where she would steal tons of bacon during the breakfast buffet and serve it later on BLTs, <laughs> and everybody would be like, "Hey Julia, where'd you get all this bacon from?" She's like, "Don't worry about it. It's purse bacon. Eat your sandwich. <laughs> it's purse bacon. Purse snakes. Purse bacon. So many things that can I go in purses. I put bacon next to my snake and fertility icon. And fertility icon. Exactly. Ugh, everything a girl needs." In uh, July of 2003, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Honor. From, wait, which, what year? Sorry. 2003. Okay, I was like, Reagan so, did what? No. I was, <laughs> sorry, I'm still stewing about We're that. We're still stewing about good and bad, bad Reagan. Bad Reagan. Yeah, so, but she, she contemplated not accepting it because it was coming from George W. Bush. Oh, bless her heart. She was like, thanks, but... Fine, I guess I'll take it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um okay. What? I said, guy. <laughs> also, one last tidbit. What, she said she might vote for Arnold Schwarzenegger for governor, mm-hmm. even though he was a Republican, because he was considered a he-man, <laughs> which isn't a... An, a, a An affectionate term she used for, like, big, burly, attractive men. Yeah. And so she was like, you know, I might vote for him because he's (laughs) nice to look at. (laughs) Which I thought was great. (sighs) So anyway, two days before her 92nd birthday, August 13th. I didn't actually write down the day. (laughs) Julia passed away from kidney failure. Her last meal was French onion soup, which she made. And I wrote this part down because it's this really lovely, like, last part of the book that I listened to. So, they were supposed to have this big, huge party because they were like, Julia's not doing great. We want everybody here to celebrate because it might be her last birthday. Um, so, anyway, so they called to cancel these reservations. The chef's wife walks up to the front of the restaurant, picks up a wine glass, and, like, clinks it to get everybody's attention. And said, Our dear friend and mentor, Julia, has passed away today. So we invite all of you to raise a glass in her honor. Chin, chin, salute, Julia. And then someone, you know, from the back shouted, And bon appetit. Aww. And that is our moxie lady, Julia Child. Oh, that was great! Isn't that so good? It just gives me the warm and fuzzies. Like, she she was just such a delightful person. She was just she was just so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds. I mean, think of all the sharks. All the sharks. <laughs> think of all the sharks and all the boof that was made. All, all of the boof. <laughs> she. I can't even fathom the sheer amount of food that that woman cooked and consumed oh, yeah. in her 91 years. It's almost upsetting. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> We've reached the end. We have reached the end. That was so long, guys. Thanks for hanging on there with me. It you is- too. And all of our listeners. Yes. So, if you would like, if you enjoyed it, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at that Broad's Got moxie. Rate and review on iTunes. And subscribe. And subscribe. And subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> on um, i did i say itunes you did say iTunes. wherever we're oh, wherever, wherever you listen subscribe subscribe email us at that broads got moxie at gmail.com and tell us about the broads with moxie in your life all the all those moxie ladies out there if we said some things wrong please feel free to drop us a line and give us some suggestions There's someone you want to hear about. We'll do our best to get to We'll do our best. Like, just let us know. Yeah. I think that's it. Stay moxie. Stay moxie. Bye. Bye. (laughs)